Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here live on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Nepetian, and tonight I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. But we also have a very, very special guest joining us here from TCU Baseball, Curtis Byrne. Curtis, welcome to the show. Super glad to have you. How's, how's everything going today? Seriously, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, everything's going good. You know, we just finished up fall practice, all that stuff. Um, you know, getting into finals week next week, so that's always going to be a good time. And, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. There you go. And, and fall, fall ball wrapped up, just like you said, a couple weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving. So things are kind of winding down on that practice front, but, yep. but still just going, going hard, hard with school, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always a stressful time for everybody, especially, you know, next week with all the finals and everything like that. I'm pretty lucky. I only got one next week on Friday. So, I mean, that's oh, really nice. – that's huge. Yeah. I mean, it kind of kind of sucks it's on Friday rather than yeah. on Monday yeah. or something. But, no, it's fine, week. though. It'll be good. There you go. There you go. So, so briefly, hey, just, you know uh, – I mean, a lot of the guys are just, just a lot of the listeners know who you are, but just tell, tell some of our listeners about yourself, um, just a little background about who Curtis Byrne is. Yeah, so I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I played baseball at, or I went to high school at uh, Christian Brothers College High School out in St. Louis. Uh, one of five kids, you know, big family, so, you know, big support staff. Um, yeah, I came to TCU. I committed my junior year of high school. I was originally committed to Indiana University my freshman year. They had a coaching change and my junior year of high school. And then um, t- I knew somebody, so Brian Howard. So we played for the same high school travel ball team. So we had the same coach. And I asked, so TCU was always my dream school to go to. So I reached out to my coach, and he uh, you know, got linked up with the coaches and stuff. They watched me play. Couple weeks later, I took a visit, and you know, the rest is history. Sweet man, that's that's awesome. I mean, we're 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 super glad that you're at TCU now. I mean, you've been killing it on uh, on the field, and I mean, just just sim- simply, how was how growing up in in in, uh, in St. Louis? I mean, you're, are, are you from St. Louis or just out of there? I, I saw Chesterfield pop. Yeah, up. so I'm about 20 minutes out of downtown. Okay. Um, yeah, growing up in St. Louis is awesome. You know, huge sports town, especially you know the Cardinals and the yeah. Blues. You know, used to be the Rams back in the day, but ended up going to L.A. But no, it's been awesome. You know, really fortunate. Uh, community, the huge into into baseball and hockey. Yeah. That's the other thing too, especially in football. Um, had a lot of really good players at a. Out of that area, especially in baseball, and um, no, it was awesome growing up there. So, so how'd you get into playing catcher? How was how was that for for you? Yeah, you know, so I don't really run that well. So <laughs> they kind of they look around the field and you know outfield, not really a good good guy to have out there. So um, I played third base a little bit in high school, but you know I really started catching. I would say you know it's always my primary position, but um, we had a really good catcher my freshman sophomore year of high school, and. So I played third base and first base, and then my sophomore year I started catching towards the back end of it. And you know, ever since then, it's you know been a blessing. It's been awesome. It's a, it's definitely a very demanding position, and you know, it's great. Yeah, we can all. I can always appreciate a catcher, man. I tried it one a couple times. Not for me, man. That is such a <laughs> difficult position to play. So always appreciative of catchers for sure. Yeah, you got. It's a tough position. You got a lot of people counting on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to protect the umpire. Uh, yeah. The one time yeah. I, the, the no, one yeah. time I caught, I let a, a ball hit the umpire's shin. Well, I didn't let it. It was I didn't do mean to do it. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but he he looked at me like I had just murdered his children. Like <laughs> he, he was so mad at me. You probably weren't stealing any strikes after that either. There you you go. No, was I sick. wasn't. I mean, framing was not my strong suit either. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And and 
when when I was kind of doing doing just some some research for for the show, I saw that you were drafted by your hometown team, the Cardinals, yeah. the thirty eighth round in twenty nineteen. I mean, you know, obviously you're here at TCU now, but what was that like? Just just having that moment of hey, the the, the cards came calling. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, of course, it's a you know childhood dream to get drafted by your hometown team, especially in St. Louis. You know, Cardinal Nations, it's a real deal. Especially, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a St. Louis game, but it's, you know, especially Bush, it's it's a whole new environment. You know, they love their team. But it's funny, so I was actually at TCU when I got drafted. I was going through orientation and like, frog camp, and I got a phone call from a random number. And I'm like, oh, like, what is this? And then I answered it, and it was the Cardinals. They were like, yeah, we've drafted you, whatever. Dang. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. So it was really cool yeah. just, you know, being able to get drafted, especially like that. And, uh, no, it was definitely a blessing, and, you know, really thank them for it. Yeah. I'm a Texas Rangers fan, so 2011 with David Freeze still kind of haunts me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that, that stadium went crazy when that happened. So. It's crazy. Yeah, he was actually one of my, my heroes growing up, yeah. especially. Yeah. Uh, right. Hey. Yeah, I'm sure he was. <laughs> I know. I'm sure. Hey, yeah, especially after that. Him. Yeah, it was pretty insane. Now, you came to TCU in 2020, obviously. Well, well, sorry, that was your first season playing um, was, was in 2020. Yep. And obviously that was short, and I think maybe you played maybe five or six games you know, just before the season was called. And mm-hmm. through that, I mean, now you guys have the phenomenal season last year. What was that like? I mean, the ups and downs, I mean, and, and just that run that you guys went on at the end to win the Big 12 tournament, uh, you guys went to the NCAA regionals, super regionals here at Lupton, and then making it to the College World Series. Talk talk us through what that whole experience was like for for the team and and for yourself. Yeah, so we just uh, you know we just got swept by West Virginia at West Virginia, and I think we were like twenty three and twenty at this point. So it was kind of it was definitely a low for the season. We're all like you know kind of what's going on, um, everything like that, but. You know, I think for us, it was really it was being very positive about it and making sure that you know we were all there for each other. And you know, I think it all made us go you know closer, especially through that adversity. Um, just to look back on that after getting swept and our flight got delayed like five hours, we're like, oh my gosh, of course. And you know, got back home and you know, we really had to make a decision on what we we're going to do with the rest of the season. You know, because it's you know a lot of teams, you know, they could pack it in there and say, you know what, whatever, you know, why us, why this, but you know, we didn't really have that mindset. We had the mindset of, you know, we're gonna figure out how to figure this out, and you know, we're gonna make this season, you know, the most of it. So, yeah, it was crazy, especially winning the Big 12 tournament. Really got hot down the stretch, um, and then ended up going to the Arkansas regional. You know, played really well there. Um, really cool environment to go play at, and um, after that, you know. Of course, you know, Indiana State, that super regional, it was, you know, electric environment. I mean, I know you guys were at all the game and stuff. Yeah. But, no, it was unbelievable just in terms of, you know, the support from the TCU community and everything like that. You know, I think we had – we were talking about earlier, we broke the attendance record. There's over 9,000 yeah. people, which, you know, that's crazy, especially for, you know, a so-called, you know, small school in Fort Worth. Yeah. So, no, it was awesome. Yeah, that's that was pretty cool to see all that and to see everyone come together for that. Uh, so, for you last year – I know you kind of went through some ups and downs, but there was kind of a moment during the season where things just started to click for you at the plate. And towards the end of the season, it just felt like you were getting on base every single time. So what for you felt like was the moment, like what, what clicked for you at the plate? Yeah, so for me, it was all about getting healthy. So I had that back injury that, you know, I was out for a couple of weeks. I think it was about a month. And it was just for me, I was just trying to get healthy, get back on the field. Um, 
especially, you know, it's, it's tough to do in some circumstances because, you know, with back injuries, it's kind of everything you do. It's, it's nagging. You know, I couldn't even touch my toes at one point. Mm-hmm. Right after it happened, I got banged up at OU, and I couldn't move. So I was out for a couple of weeks, had back spasms, and then, you know, I really turned the, turned the page with the season. I think the – for me personally, um, I think the UT series is really what, what helped me. Um, started playing well, and then, you know, towards the back end of the year, you know, ended up playing really well. But, you know, as a team, it's, you know, awesome. Couldn't be more proud of the guys that, that I went to battle with and, you know, everything we did last year. You know, it was awesome going to Omaha and everything like that, but, you know, the ultimate goal is to win a national championship. You know, it's cool to say that you went, but it's all about winning it this year. That's the only thing that matters. There you go, yeah. And and kind of just piggybacking off of what Zion said, right? I mean, there, there's that point where it clicked and, you know, coming back healthy always helps, right? Um there was a point there, again, just like you said, right after that that West Virginia series that you guys won. After that, you guys won 22 of the next 28. Yeah. Um, again, winning the Big 12 tournament. And then also from late May to early June, you guys scored 80 runs in seven games. What was maybe clicking, not just for you, but also for the team in that period? Was was there something that the team was just feeling a little better and, and, and just, just, just the, the whole vibes were better? What what was kind of going on in the clubhouse maybe? I think for you know, for us it was you know, it was never a question of the talent. It was just, you know, a matter of fact that we were just going through a tough stretch. And, you know, the hardest thing to do is just to keep showing up and keep plugging away. And that's exactly what we did, you know, and our you know, it ended up happening and it worked out very well for us towards the end of the year. But man, I mean, it was tough though. You know, towards the middle of the season, especially whenever you, you know, like we said earlier, twenty-three and twenty. You know, just trying to just stay positive and just know that there's still another half of the season left, and yeah. there's a lot more you know ball to be played. And you know, the best time of the year to play you know well is of course towards the back half, and especially getting hot right before the postseason, especially during the regional and everything like that. It's just all about getting in the tournament. That's all like that matters. Yeah. Would you say like you guys sort of fed off each other in the lineup? Just when you see other people producing at the plate, that kind of boost your confidence a little yeah. bit and just hitting's contagious you can 100 percent. yeah you know i mean hitting's the hardest thing to do in all sports of course as you know we all know um but i think for us it's just you know we just had really good chemistry throughout the lineup and we just started figuring things out all throughout the back half of that year you know especially like you were saying hitting is so contagious it's i don't know why it's like that it just it just happens you know we just kept showing up putting our work in you know, getting in, you know, early work, all that stuff, and, you know, it started to pay off towards the back end of the year. Uh, would you say that, I don't know, perhaps what y'all were wearing played a role as well? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the BP tops, they were a little smelly, but... <laughs> what, uh, did was there, like, a, did that, I don't, I don't know if I recall, did y'all just, like, wear those once and then start winning and playing well and then continue to wear them, or was it, like, a like a process where you accidentally ran into the superstition sort of, of sorts? No, I mean, I would say, so we played uh, DBU in a home game on that Tuesday, and we started wearing the BP tops, won that game, and then went on a roll. So it's like, you know, why change anything? Especially, you know, whenever you're playing that well, it's, you know, we're not going to, we're not, you know, we're eating the same thing every day, you know, we're doing, you know, all that stuff especially for me. But, um, you know, I had my same routine with my coffee and with my energy drink right before the game. You know, very, I mean, you know, hate to say it, but baseball guys are sometimes very superstitious with that yeah. stuff. So, can't, call, call us crazy, but, I mean, it's just, it was working at the time, so. Did, yeah. did you get tired of IHOP by the time uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm Omaha not, was rolling out right there? Yeah. yeah, you can thank Trey Richardson for that. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it was, I mean, it tasted better every time after every win, so. Yeah. That, that, that's good. I, it was really funny watching uh, – 
those jerseys slowly fall apart as the, oh, as the season was, yeah. was rolling. We had to some guys with holes in them. I had <laughs> oh, a whole, like my four, my back was falling off. We had to get re, you know, stitch and everything. Oh, it was brutal. But no, it was, it was awesome. I mean, just you know, playing that well as a as a unit all the way through it. I mean, it's kind of funny how the you know the jerseys they just they happen to you know be like that. Yeah, but, yeah. So so any word on those cream jerseys coming back for this year? Is is is, is it going to come back into the usual? I think you know, so. Thing? Yeah, I okay. think that's the deal. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. So. Okay. We'll see. Okay. You know, that was kind of a, a last year thing. So yeah, you know. yeah, it became like a storyline during the College World Series. Like the announcers were talking about it every single game about that being you know y'all superstition. Yeah, it was, it was, pretty, <laughs> it was like it was, it was pretty funny. Honestly, I, I loved it. You know. Yeah, because I mean Nike does an awesome job with you know our jerseys and everything yeah. like that, and then you know wearing the BP tops yeah. like every game. So it was it was awesome though. They're like you sure? Like these are the ones you want to wear? <laughs> like, okay. So so going back to you, obviously. You know, I mean, I, I felt like at that t- towards the back end of the season, it's funny. I, I I wrote an article about you and kind of that resurgence that you had, and I I said in the article that I feel like you and Carson Bowen were the one of the best catcher, you know, two two like two way cat- catcher tandems in the nation at the time. And for you though, because you did switch from being an everyday catcher to really moving into that DH role, what was that like for you? Maybe in terms of preparation, yeah. mentally as well, because you're just going up to hit. I mean, what what was that like for you? 100. percent You know, uh, you know, being a catcher, you got to be in tune every play of the game, and you know, it's. It's a, it's not really it's not a tough thing to do, but you have to you know have a mental fortitude to do it. So you switch over to DHing and you got to hit four or five times a game. It's a little bit different because you're in the dugout. You got to you know try to find things to do in terms you know my prep work and everything like that was all the same. But in terms of you know being in the game and being you know maybe I got to be locked in. I would say maybe like five hitters before I had to go hit because you can't be too locked in the entire game. Because that's you know it's gonna be way too much. It's gonna drain you, and you need to be fresh right whenever you go hit. So that's really that was the biggest adjustment for me is you know just trying to find you know my hourglass in terms of when to get ready and when to get my mind right. So moving into off season now, you know now that the season ended, fall ball, summer ball. I think a lot of people wonder what do baseball players, what do you guys do during the off season? What do you prepare for and what do you work on during, during the off season? Yeah. So especially, um, you know, this time of year, you know, with finals, so we'll, you know, we're off, we'll just work out and do, you know, just stuff like that around the field, work out in the weight room, do all that stuff. And then, um, we'll go home and we'll, you know, have two and a half weeks of our own prep work. And, you know, they always give us a plan on what to do and everything like that. So it's really it's the most crucial time of the year because it's it's a huge separator in terms of getting you ready for whenever you come back on January third, which that's our uh, report date when we come back and start getting active, everything like that. Start working out as a team again, and uh, you know just being around campus and stuff. Go to, you know hit the field, do all that stuff. You know because um, like we can't really do any like actual team practice. I think it's like the 16th or something. So like it's kind of all on us just to like go to the field, go work out, and have you know just uh, meetings like that. And then during the summer is, so for me, after this past year, I was banged up. So I stayed, I didn't play summer ball, but I've played summer ball every year. And that's what a lot of the guys do. They play, you know, go out and play all summer, play like 30 or 40 games, awesome experience, just like go somewhere and go play for the summer, you know, meet some really good dudes and you kind of go from there. But for me, I worked out this entire summer, you know, got healthy, um, you know, was really focused on the year and, you know, just trying to get healthy, my body right. 
So how do you feel right now, currently? Hundred percent. Yeah, I feel a lot better. Yeah, okay. and that's that's there good. Go. That's good to hear. So Love to yeah. hear that. Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned summer ball because before the show you mentioned that you're roommates with Sam Stottenborough, right? Yep. Yeah. So my brother, he goes to a JC. He played summer ball, and he actually played against uh, Sam during oh, during the crazy. summer. And he he texted me because he's like, "There's this guy on the team, like Sam Stottenborough." I'm like from TCU he's like yeah and uh my brother's a PO so he didn't get to face him but I was like wow that's just it's just crazy that you know you face there's leagues out there where yeah. these all these D1 you know D2 players even JC players come together and just play on the same field it's there. yeah it's something else so I played in the uh, Cape Cod League the past oh, you know, yeah. for two years yep. it was an unbelievable experience it's so weird because you'll literally just go out in the middle of nowhere basically you feel like you know you're back in a time machine you go out you know northeast cape cod and you're literally playing you know in high school and like middle school fields like my my home field was an elementary school oh wow! and it's a really cool experience and like you're getting all these guys from you know across the country just these you know absolute dudes and you know your teammates with them and you know brothers with them for three months and then you leave and then you know you try to stay in contact with them and stuff like that but it's like your best friends for three months and then you know, you got to leave and, you know, pick up all your stuff and then go back to, you know, your programs and stuff like that. But no, it's an unbelievable experience just like networking like that because it's just so unique because you'll be able to hang out with these guys. You know, you're with them eight hours a day yeah. for three months and then you have to end up going back, you know, to your programs and yeah. stuff. But no, it's it's an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it must be cool to have like different teammates and just like a new environment to play baseball in and you guys are just out there having fun i can it must be pretty cool oh yeah no 100 percent. no it's it's so cool especially you, know, you see him you know playing the big 12 of course you know i always you know catch up a bunch of my buddies and stuff like that played summer ball with them and you just like know everybody through the, the grapevine and like all throughout the network so it's pretty cool that's pretty cool it, um it, it seems like a very pure baseball environment like there's no like bells and whistles if that makes any sense like yeah. it's literally as you said an elementary school or like uh, I read a book once, and like the stands are just like it's an elementary school. It's, it's like these kids are just coming and they're playing ball, and then they go home. It's 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 it's. I want to go to. A, I want to go because uh, I just want to see what that's like, and, and it's 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 cool to it's cool to know someone now that played in it. Yeah, it's you know it's it was an awesome experience for me. It's you know like you were saying, it's the purest form of baseball. You know, it's there's 500 people in the stands. You know, a lot different than. You know, here we'll have like 6,000 people in the stands and you have 500 people and, you know, playing wood bats, of course, you know, awesome. It's just a little bit different. Yeah. And, yeah, no, it's it's crazy in terms of just how it is. And, you know, you have all these really good players out there and they go out play for the whole summer. And, no, it's it's definitely – it's awesome. So Yeah, and now with this team, with this TCU team, there has been a lot of change, a lot of roster turnover. So, really, who – is there anyone that you've seen in particular that stood out to you so far uh, that you know maybe TCU fans could watch out for? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, guys like you know we got guys you know from the portal and stuff. So um, of course, like guys like Peyton Chatnier, like Peyton Tolley, all those guys. You know, really good players, really good leadership coming in. Um, you know, we just picked up just a lot of really good pieces for us this year. It's really exciting, you know, going into it just because, you know, watch this fall and how competitive it was. And it was just awesome just watching, you know, everything go about, you know, everyone go about their business and kind of everyone kind of has different backgrounds from different schools and stuff. And now you're coming, you know, to TCU and it's all, you know, we're all fighting for the same common goal to win a national championship. Yeah, now now kind of with that roster turnover, you guys have also brought in some some additional coaches um, for you, Brian Howard, having that connection with yeah. him, and um, Evan Skalk. Both of those guys were drafted in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, you know, with them being 
former TCU guys, guys that were in your guys' shoes as student athletes and then also went up and beyond to then get drafted. What is it like having them on the coaching staff to help you guys out from a day to day? Yeah, I mean, you got seven years of college baseball experience right there and guys that went to, you know, they went to Omaha every year they were here. And, you know, uh, Coach Scott was giving me trouble the other day. He was saying, you know, better not ruin my perfect attendance, you know, at Omaha. <laughs> but, no, it's awesome having guys like that here uh, just in terms of, you know, their leadership and everything. You know, you can pick their brain about anything. And, you know, they'll tell you straightforward, you know, what it is, what they see. Having guys like, too, like Brian Howard, he's been phenomenal with the pitching staff. And, you know, Coach Scott's been doing an awesome job, too, with the hitters and, you know, with our base running and everything like that. So it's, you know, really good to have those guys here, especially, you know, especially from that experience standpoint and in terms of you know relationships that we all have with them you know awesome people so uh we talked about the roster turnover and last year a lot of players from last year's team got drafted uh what was it like to see like teammates and brothers go off to the next level um because i saw that one video of uh who who were the i don't remember the two players uh Fontenelle and someone else yeah, at, the, at the draft, and uh, Michael Petrie. Yes, yeah. uh, and and that was cool to see. You know, like just, just supporting fellow TCU brethren when when Braden got drafted. But how was that to see uh, a bunch of your teammates go on to the, play the next level? No, it's awesome. You know, just to see them. You know, you know, fulfill their dream, especially you know with like Braden getting drafted in the first round. You know, awesome experience. Um, you know, just phenomenal just seeing those guys just be able to you know live out their dream and that's just the coolest thing for me it's you know watching my teammates and everything like that just continue to do what they're doing you know we'll always like see them around campus and stuff like that especially around the winter they'll always come back to work out that's been the really coolest thing too with TCU baseball in terms of you know we all of our pro guys come back and work out our facilities they all work out with you know coach Dakin and it's just awesome having them around just you know another resource too to come you know pick their brain about their experience at TCU and in terms of you know how was it whenever you were here and stuff and um, what else like what suggestions do you have especially moving forward and you can also pick their brain too about pro ball and kind of you know what they're going through so it's it's awesome just to be able to have that relationship with them and just pick their brain about stuff sure now off the back of just what was a great you know 2023 season what are you most excited about in 2024 with this team? What gets you going in the morning and you're like, hey, th- like this is a special group. What's different about this team maybe from last year and what, what's just getting you ready for, for this season? Yeah, so I think for me it's um, the brotherhood that we have. I mean, it was a very tight-knit group last year too, but you know, I think we, we're clicking very quick this year in terms of with all the guys, you know, really, really good teammates. And that's the thing, you know, just really good human beings to be around every day. That's the thing. It's it's a blessing just to have guys, you know, all in your corner, you know, brothers for life. And it's just awesome just having them around. And the thing for me, I think it's, you know, the culture of TCU. It's what's going to, you know, push us to, you know, move forward and go to Omaha and go win a national championship. So, I mean, the the biggest thing for all of us, the you know, the biggest end-all be-all is to go win a national championship. And that's the only thing that matters. That's what gets everybody up in the morning, you know, going to weights, you know, going to work out, go – you know, go to class, go to you know, practice, go do everything. It's all about, you know, winning, and that's really the biggest thing. Yeah, and that's kind of something is that you've told the new players coming in, like, this is the standard now. This is what you should be expecting when you come to TCU. Is that kind of been the message as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always been a winning culture, especially, you know, especially with the guys that we get in here, all really, really good competitors. And, you know, that's the thing that everyone just cares about winning. And at the end of the day, whenever you have a bunch of, you know, we have 40 guys that only care about winning, you're going to, you know, have success. But, no, that's really the biggest thing, I think, moving forward. It's just we have a bunch of guys that want to compete and, you know, want to be at the field and, you know, want to go, you know, work their tails off. And that's really been the biggest thing this year. 
heading into the season, what's what what are some things that I guess with your game specifically that you've tweaked or things that you've gone back to work on and saying, hey, I want to get better at this or. Do you set those goals for yourself before the season saying, hey, I want to see improvement here. I want to see improvement there. What have you been kind of working on? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, for me personally, it's been kind of all aspects of my game, especially defensively. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, actually, it's been just getting healthy. And you know, going from there, especially working on my defense, you know, keep you know cleaning up my swing, you know, keep working on you know certain things I need to work on, especially in the cage. And really just separating everything. And, you know, whenever I get on the field, it's all about just competing and making sure I'm taking it day by day and not, you know, looking too much in the future, too much in the past, and make sure I'm just really staying on that present moment and not worrying about, you know, too much. So I think that's really been the biggest thing for me. It's just, you know, really focusing on what I can do today on, like, you know, this hour, you know, at practice and stuff. So. Yeah, no. I mean, we're 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 really excited for the season coming up, and I mean, it's it, it's looking like a tough schedule at the start, but mm-hmm. after last season, I mean, there's there's no doubt that that you guys got it in you. So no, yeah, it'll be awesome. Yeah, it's always uh, you know really exciting. You know, go play those you know teams early, yeah. and you know it'll be awesome. So well, we've been grilling you long enough, but before we <laughs> let you go, I think we should have. Uh, a little rapid-fire segment, if, if you're down, Curtis. Absolutely, let's do it. All righty. Welcome to the Riff Ram Review Rapid Fire Corner. Here we go. Curtis, I have 10 or so questions for you here. All right, you have it. 10 seconds or less to answer these. All uh, right, come on. Here we go. Favorite superhero? Batman. Favorite sport other than baseball? Football. Favorite sports memory? Uh, I don't know them all. Uh, favorite planet? Jupiter. Favorite artist, musical or painting? I don't know. Morgan <laughs> Wallen. Oh, oh okay. nice. Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Do you think it's wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> I pass. <laughs> <laughs> Probably smart. Uh, what's for dinner tonight? What are you eating? Gonna get some steak. Oh, nice. Favorite Christmas movie? Oh, Christmas Vacation. Favorite baseball movie? Oh my gosh, that's a good one too. Uh, Major League. And finally, mm. would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Climb a mountain, 100%. Okay. And that concludes go. the Rare Frame Review Rapid Fire Corner. Love it. Those are yeah. some great questions. I I, I got to pick out Major League. That's one of my favorites. I'm 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 a big Joe Boo guy. I oh believe in gosh. Joe Boo. I summon him when I want either TCU or the A's to you know pull through with a with a big win. I love Major League. It's such yeah. such a great movie. It's Wild a thing, man. It's unbelievable. It's timeless. I mean, all the stuff in there, it's it's all accurate. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so favorite superhero, Batman. It's also my favorite superhero, so super <laughs> valid answer there. Uh, who is your favorite uh, Batman? That is, okay, so for me, I'm going to have to say the Christian Bale. Yep. Yes. Because, I mean, the Dark Knight with the Joker, I mean, that's one of the... The George Clooney, what? No, <laughs> stop it, Seth. Yeah, no, Dark Knight's great. It's a great movie. Just everything about it, the storyline, and that was crazy. I think the new one too is pretty good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, no, it was solid. It, it, what's his name? Patterson. Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah. Pattinson. Yeah. I, at first, I wasn't sure how I would like it, but it was it was better than I expected. Yeah. It was much better than I expected. It, it was definitely not the same type of Batman that I thought they would choose, but yeah. it's pretty solid. Well, so. when when you sell when the pitch is the guy from Twilight is now Batman, it's like it's hard <laughs> it's hard to sell that a little bit. I think. But he did it. He did a great job, and you did a great job answering those questions. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. To come go, up with those answers. Yeah. 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 Last time we did this, the music that I play is a minute long, and we had to go through that minute the music like four times. Yeah. Uh, we did. Even get through the whole song that time. I know. So, 
Congratulations. That's legit. That was that was rapid fire at its absolute finest. So, <laughs> so Curtis, I mean, with with school wrapping up, do you, do you have any uh, any any plans over break, going home, doing doing anything fun with with family, friends? Yeah. So I'm just gonna go back to St. Louis, hang out with the family, um, and get my work in. So that's really gonna be the biggest thing. Just focusing on you know this upcoming year. You know, going to work out. Yep. You know, get better, get my mind right for this upcoming year. Uh, you know, of course, like take family time, everything yep. like that. Enjoy it because you know once you, the season starts, you really don't. Have you know many opportunities to go back home really at all? No. So the biggest thing for me is just you know going home, really enjoying my family, and you know just going from there. There you go, and and just just tell our, our listeners briefly where they can find you on social media and things like that. Yeah, so on Instagram it's just Curtis Ashburn, and um, Twitter the same thing. So right. sweet. So everybody listening, go follow Curtis, um, support Curtis Burn, and the rest of the TCU baseball team as they start gearing up for 2024. Curtis, thank you so much for joining the show. Really appreciate you having. Sorry, really appreciate you coming on to our show. Um, but folks at home listening on the drive or at home, um, we've still got the rest of the show. We're running until 8 p.m. tonight, so uh, we'll be right back here after a quick break. But thank you so much, Curtis, for joining us here tonight. Seriously, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, folks, let's get started. Parents, thanks for coming. As many of you know, I'm Coach Mather. Tonight I want to talk about the season, of which I only have one expectation that everybody gets stronger. When I say get stronger, I'm not referring solely to physical strength. Sure, we'll be in the weight room, we'll be running stairs, but we're also going to focus on developing mental toughness and grit, because those are the characteristics that allow us to achieve greatness both on and off the court. So how do we develop those things? By getting comfortable with a challenge by cultivating the confidence necessary to overcome adversity in all forms. That's why I coach. That's my purpose. Every member of this team can lean on me, and I'll teach them how they can lean on themselves and each other. This message presented by the UIL and the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. Welcome back to episode 14 here of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. want to thank Curtis Byrne for coming on the show. That was that was a lot of fun, guys. I think it was learned a lot about this TCU baseball team and got me more excited for this year. I mean, I can't wait to see them out there. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, he, he was awesome to have on. Um, I've, I've always wanted to talk to a catcher just Pick Simply brain, because, yeah. yeah, just pick their brain. I mean, they have to know so much of what's going on on the field. And, I mean, I'm, it was it was great having them on. If you guys missed it, uh, be sure to tune in after the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely push those out to those platforms. So be sure to tune in there. But really, really great to have Curtis on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Cool to talk about something a little less controversial to start this thing. <laughs> yes. Because uh, here we go. Uh, it's college football time here on the show. It's always my favorite segment. Uh, it's so fun, in fact, that we're going to make it two this week. Uh, but uh, there hasn't been a lot of song and dance around college football this week. A lot of, uh, and college football is always a, a sport where a lot of people like to yell at each other. But uh, this week in particular, guys, it feels like there's a bit more hostility. No, it does, especially after uh, Sunday. That uh, that was, I mean, I think what's so tough about that, and, and again, we'll, we'll get into this more, but you knew someone's going to get snubbed, and it's just, it's, 
It was not going to be a great situation, but this was probably the worst of any of them that could have happened, just because it's so unprecedented Unprecedented with what happened. Yeah, and if you've been, unless you've been under a rock, you've definitely uh, been hearing the, the news about the college football rankings uh, with Georgia being left out, Florida State being left out of the top four. So Michigan got... Uh, the one seed with two being uh, Washington, three being Texas, and four being Alabama, leaving out an undefeated ACC champ in Florida State, which just left a lot of outrage. And it sucks because around this time of the year, we should be excited. And, of course, people are still excited about the college football playoff. But the fact that there's just so much controversy just sticks speaks to how good the level of play was this year, uh, especially at the top. But, you know, it, you, even if you felt like Alabama was deserving to be in there over Florida State, you still got to feel for Seminole fans because that's, that's just heartbreaking. It's a broken system. Uh, it was a broken system from the start, uh, and I'm so glad that we're done with it. After, I'm so glad that we're done with it after this year. And I feel like had, this, had they not been expanding it next year, this would have been um, the, the, the catalyst to, yeah. to, for them to, to say, oh, crap, this is not good enough yeah and it wasn't good enough and from it's simple it's a simple math equation where you say okay there's five power five le- there's five leagues that we consider to be quote-unquote power five when this was this first discussed um and there's four spots and while there were ne- there was never a situation where there were five conference champions that were quote-unquote deserving to be in there was usually one that stumbled along the way and it was usually the pac-12 uh but this year, unprecedented in the fact that the teams at the top, like you said, Zion, they never tripped up. Like, they, there was never like a, oh my gosh, like what a blunder from that team. Usually there's like a Purdue will beat Ohio State and you'll be like, what just happened? But that never happened this year. Um, and we were faced with the, the, the committee, which we can, I don't even want to get into how the committee is, <laughs> uh, uh, plays a role in this. Uh, you're telling me that 13 people that don't watch college football on a full-time basis can yep. make a decision that affects the national championship? Well, okay, that goes over my head. Yeah. Uh, but they're now faced with an impossible situation where you have to make a decision to either, one, leave out a team uh, that won the SEC, leave out an undefeated Power 5 champion, which has never been done before, both of those two things have never been done before. The SEC champ has always been in in an undefeated Power Five champion. That's like a check mark. Like that's like that's something you're supposed to do. Or leave out a Texas team that beat one of the teams that you're putting in. Uh, and they chose what I saw Joel Klatt describe as the path of least resistance, yep. which was we're going to put in Texas and then we're going to put in Alabama. And we can deal with that outrage, but we don't feel like we can deal with the outrage of not leaving, of leaving the SEC champ out. And it really sucks because there's nothing else Florida State could do other than their quarterback not break his leg. Well, some people would argue that you know, and and I guess I'm not, I, I guess I, I would agree with this to an extent that you know that this wasn't the path of least resistance. It was more of. They put. They felt they put in the four best teams because if they put in Florida State, the argument there is, well, we put them in because they're undefeated, and not many people can really argue that. But they felt a lot, a lot of people felt like they put in the four best teams. So, do you guys agree with 
them putting in the four best teams, or do you felt like feel like it should have been the four deserving? Well, or both. If they put in the four best teams and they left another best team out, Georgia, mm-hmm. they left out Ohio State, they left out Oregon. Uh, if you if you go off the definition of best, or there, or I like I describe best of who is favored against whom. Uh, you would get that Florida State would be ranked 14th right now, around there, without Jordan Travis. So by ranking them ahead of Georgia, that's just like the coward's way, in my opinion. Uh, but they've always said they put in the four best teams. But usually best and most deserving, always they kind of blend together toward the end of the season, if that makes any sense, right? If you're not the best, you're probably not the most deserving. But this year was different than that. Again, an unprecedented scenario as we're talking about. And I've 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 always been like it. Most deserving makes the most sense because that reflects what happens on the football field. You can be the best and not win, right? You Georgia is unequivocally, in my opinion, the most talented team in the sport. But they tripped up once, and they're still the quote unquote best team uh but they were left out so that's 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 how i feel about that yeah i mean obviously it's it's a hard decision and i think especially with in terms of you know college football as as much as you know for us it's entertainment i think what's what's sad but it's the fact is that it's a business right um you know we we say it all the time is that it's really these broadcasting networks that have the control Right. I mean, we've we, we always say that we, we talk about it in class, too, about how much these broadcasting channels, ha- like, like what type of power they have in these spaces. And, you know, fr- from my perspective, talking between Alabama and Florida State, it, it it's painful to see Florida State be fifth. But for me, as a as a fan, as a neutral fan, my like, like my mind says, I'd rather see Alabama in there. Right, I'd rather see Alabama and Michigan. Right, that's just my my neutral, you know, mind just saying, hey, who would I rather prefer at this point? It would be Alabama, and unfortunately, that's because of the matchup. Right, that's because of I take, you know, that's because I took into the fact that Jordan Travis is hurt. This is a, it's, you know, it's a different Florida State team than it is with Jordan Travis. And again, that's a whole different conversation. Is you know, do we look at this team now or do we look at what this team has done all season or, you know, over the last two weeks? But I think that's what's tough is that this is a business and they are unfortunately, I think in this case, made that decision based off of how many people that they can draw in because people would much rather see probably Alabama, Michigan than a than a depleted Florida State team going up against number one Michigan. Well, well to your point, yes, the Eight of the 13 committee members are athletic directors, and they have a stake yep. in the money that is exactly. made off of this. And that is why it's so broken, that it should not be how it should be, where there's a clear conflict of interest yep. of, of, of who's making arguably the biggest decision in the sport. Uh, another thing that I just I despise, and like the arguments about this, is the, the playing off of hypothetical situations. Because like you said, in theory, right, the matchup of Michigan and Alabama is a whole lot better than the one of Michigan and Florida State. And we can, and I agree with everyone who's saying Alabama has a better shot at beating Michigan than Florida State does. But we are presuming that. Yep. We have not seen that happen. I presumed that TCU was going to smack, or <laughs> that Michigan was going to smack the heck out of TCU last year. Yep. That did not happen. Yep. Right? We 
if if we if we had presumed if they had gone off their hypothetical scenario that they had gone on their brain, TCU would not have been in last year, right? Uh, I have a hypothetical situation for y'all since we're playing on this so much. Yeah. If we had been if we had reversed the roles, Jalen Milrow broke his leg two weeks ago, and they looked terrible. And they were thirteen and zero, and there was a twelve and one Florida State who was lighting the world on fire, and twelve and one Florida State won the uh, ACC, and a thirteen and zero Alabama wins the SEC, but they look terrible doing it, and Jalen Milrow is broken his leg. What do they do? Yeah, they're still putting in Alabama. I'd say, yep, I'd, I'd still say Alabama, no. just because of the the sheer business that this is, and that's what, and that, and, and, and that's what's so sad. Right, that's what's so sad, and you said it there too, the fact that there's this conflict of interest. The, the people that are deciding on which teams go in should not benefit in any way of what happens. They shouldn't have any benefit from these teams going in and you know earning or, you know what whatever earnings that their school or they might be getting. And I think that's the biggest issue is that you know again, just like you said, the whole system's broken. So yeah, I think this and. For me personally, like, I really wanted Florida State to get in. I'm not outraged by Alabama getting in personally. I understand why they made that decision. But I think it just, and I know we've said this a bunch of times already, it just really speaks to how broken this system is because it's just, when they're discussing it, it's just, I, I don't know, like, to me, the criteria... Doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb because... The only teams in the top four that have played each other was Alabama and Texas. And, of course, Texas won, so that's why they're above. But it's it just seems so dumb to me that the criteria is there's so much based off of one game. Like this past weekend, Georgia, best team in, the, in, the, in college football all season long. They lose one game, and they're out because, according to the criteria, they don't have a resume to – present that is worthy of being in the playoff because they don't have an sec championship all they had was an undefeated regular season and then losing to alabama but yeah it just it's so i just hate how i i get that there has to be an opinion and you know that's how you have to rank these teams but it's just it seems so weird to me i don't know this year really just pointed out the flaws in it and it's like okay we're gonna leave out a team because he got because one player got hurt, and granted he's their best player, but it's like really imagine how Jordan Travis feels. I can. Did you because, see his tweet? Yeah, I mean, that we saw made my heart break. Yeah. So imagine you're Jordan Travis, and you know you get the, you have that injury, and you're already feeling bad because you don't know when you're going to be on the football field again. Um, is he eligible to come back next season? No, he's done. So he's that's it for him. I mean, who knows what happens with him moving forward, yep. but. You know, that's it for your college football career, and that you obviously feel awful. And now you can't help but feel that you are the reason why your team is not playing for a national championship, changing these players' lives. That to me is just dumb. And we're giving benefit of the doubt to Alabama. Again, not that I'm mad that I'm, they deserved it, but it's just, man, like. It's messed up. It's really messed up, and I, I'm glad they're changing it. I like to read uh, Jordan Travis's tweet, uh, and I'm going to read. I want to read what Mike Norvell, head coach of Florida yeah. State, also had to say because I think that's important. Uh, this is Jordan Travis, devastated, heartbroken, and so much disbelief right now. Uh, this is what really sticks out to me. 
I wish I broke my leg earlier in the season so y'all could see this team is much more than the quarterback. I thought results matter. 13-0 and in this roster matches up across any team in those top four rankings. I am so sorry. Yeah. What are you sorry about, man? There's nothing he needs to be sorry for. Yep. It's bad. Um, and it sucks so much. And I, I just wish that, you know, the games matter, obviously. But it, it just, I just can't believe that it's just it, it went down to an injury like that. There is criteria that the committee goes through that it says significant player injury. Why does that have to matter? What you what is going to happen in the future when what happened in the past is what's supposed to dictate what puts these teams in, in my opinion. Yeah. I also hate that some people are blaming uh, TCU for oh. Florida State not getting in. Not just because we're TCU students, but that's also just – it doesn't matter who it is. Could you imagine saying like – Yep. Uh, for instance, Oregon, you know, just hypothetical, like Oregon, you know, they didn't get in because uh, Cincinnati got blown out or, you know, because yeah. they did lose by a lot to Alabama. But it's like, really? that yeah. You're blaming TCU for, first of all, they beat the number one team that's currently ranked in this thing last year. J.J. McCarthy's only loss was to TCU in his career. Yeah, what, he's 25-1? and one, right? Yeah, his, last, his, his one starts. loss was to TCU. It's not like we lost 65-7 to Michigan in the first round. If you say that, okay, maybe, maybe you have a point. But they beat Michigan, and then they got their butts whooped by Georgia, which most teams probably lose to Georgia by a lot. So yeah, the the, silly. the TCU slander is definitely unwarranted, and I think for the CFP, their hope is that Alabama puts up a dang good fight, and I think they have a good shot of it. I and think they, they have, have a good shot. shot of winning this whole thing. I do too, right? And right, I mean the 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 worst thing that could happen is that Michigan blows Alabama out of the water. That's the worst thing, at least for the CFP. And Florida State beats Georgia. Yep, yep, exactly. That would be the worst thing for the CFP. And and to be honest, though, again, kind of getting back to Alabama being in, a reason why I'm not so, you know, against Alabama being in is because this wasn't, this isn't the Alabama of old. We talked about it all throughout, you know, the, the, the last couple of months on, on the show. This was a rocky road for Alabama. This wasn't a... You know, your classic Alabama team, steamroll, steamroll, and, you know, you get into the playoff. They had some issues that they had to figure out. They they weathered the storm at that quarterback position, which the start of the year was just horrid, right? And so, again, not to take anything away from Florida State, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, you know what? Alabama does deserve this to a degree. It's just at what, at, at what cost, right? And how does this pre- – how does this – create a precedent for things going forward but again fortunately going forward you have a different format i hear you but also if we're using that if we're using that criteria for florida state that oh they're not dominant did you see alabama have to rely on a fourth and 31 to beat an auburn team who lost to new mexico state by three touchdowns at home the week before if you're going to argue that florida state isn't worthy isn't good enough to get in you can't because it's one thing if this Alabama team was a world beater, right? They were awesome all year. They were not, as you mentioned. But that's another thing that makes them more rootable. I think, like you said, like I can root for them a little bit more because of that adversity uh, that they went through. Uh, it's tricky, though. No right decision. I think yeah. they, they could not make a right decision because there was no correct decision to make, yeah. and that's what stinks. Uh, I just think that 
again, like you said, what precedent they set? There's no precedent to set because next year this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, this this doesn't really have any repercussions in the future it's a bit of a not even slap on the wrist it's it's a bit of a free getaway you know um from this decision you make this and you say hey well this is why we're expanding right there's there's no okay with this decision whatever happens going forward this is what you base it off of right right but but no it's it's uh it's the cfp moving to that expanded playoff it's 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 a total get out of jail free it was card. a perfect storm for this it scenario was to it happen. was perfect it was yeah. a perfect storm in again in a situation where no right decision was going to be made yeah so let's talk about these games because really i mean regardless of what you feel this is an exciting pool here of four teams that you know it's really up in the air for anyone to take and starting we'll start with the rose bowl with between alabama and michigan uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this one? Who takes it? Um, uh, interested to see how Alabama's offense attacks this Michigan defense. Jalen Milrow, uh, he seems to you know be figuring out a little bit. Interested to see how he attacks a, a Michigan defense that's pr- what did they say they were going to do to TCU? Smack them last year? Yeah. Now, now <laughs> bring the Big Ten to the Big Twelve. <laughs> right. Uh, interested to see how it happens. Did y'all see Michigan's reaction to when they saw that Alabama yeah, popped up like, on the oh. screen? Yeah. Guys, that's not inspiring any confidence no, in me that you're going to be exactly. Alabama. That's the last thing Michigan needs after what happened last season to go into this and, you know, not not really on that right foot. So. Uh, I think I'm excited for this game, obviously. I really, this is the first playoff in a while where I like, I don't know who's going to win the national championship. Because you could point to like playoffs in previous years and like last year, Georgia probably going to take it all. This year, I have no idea. Kind of a with, flip of a coin. Because with Michigan, I feel like I don't really know who they are because they've never shown, like, they've only had to play two te- two teams, really, yeah. that would even put up a fight against them. So really interested to see how they, they play uh, against Alabama here and interested to see how Jalen Milrow attacks what I think is probably the second best defense he's going to play yeah. all year. I think Georgia's defense is a little, a little bit better. but uh, And he obviously he succeeded uh, well enough in there. So excited to see who wins. Uh uh, how that one goes, and it's also in the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl's fun. Yeah, no, I I think this is going to be an awesome kind of location for this game. Um, but yeah, no, I I mean I, I again Michigan Alabama, it's it's a great matchup. Really looking forward to it again. I mean, pretty much exactly what you said, Seth. I'm curious to see how Alabama gets on against this defense. It's going to be a test for 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 Milrow and and Alabama's offense. But again, Michigan. They're, it's not that they're unproven. It's just you've, you've only seen them against really good teams so many times, right? And and it's kind of like this. Their 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 name is getting called upon now. Are they going to step up to the game and, and deliver or not? So yeah, I also have some Harbaugh going to NFL smoke surrounding them yet again. So yeah. can this man make up his mind or not? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we'll have more time to talk about these games in depth once yeah. we get closer, but. Uh, that's, I think, the key. Michigan defense, Alabama offense, uh, and are they going to make J.J. McCarthy do anything? Yeah, that's the one thing, too. It's like, it's so long, man. Like, it's, I keep forgetting that it's like, what? It's three weeks out. Yeah, three weeks out. Just think, at this time last year, we were like, oh, man, we lost the Big 12 championship, but we got in. But then for us, it was like, oh, three weeks away, so much leading up to it. But now it's like, we're we're kind of just sitting and waiting, you know? Yeah. 
the other game, of course, the Sugar Bowl, right? Yeah, Sugar yep. Bowl between number three Texas and number two Washington. A pretty exciting matchup here. Um, you know, I've I've watched a good amount of both teams this season. Um, obviously, uh, interesting to see you know Quinn Ewers and, and Michael Penix Jr. and you know Washington with uh, their great receiving core. Um, Man, I, I this is another one. It's like I really don't know uh, how will Washington's uh, offensive line hold up against that Texas front. Uh, it should be interesting to see. Uh, man, I I don't know if I have a prediction yet, but I'm excited for this game. I have a prediction. If you're a betting man, smash the over. Do it. There's yeah. points. Points are going to be scored in this game. Yeah. Uh, and because think about think about the stars on offense that you have in this game. Yep. Roma Dunze, Michael mm-hmm. Penix Jr. That's just two world beaters on, yeah. on Washington, and then you flip it to Texas. Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. Hopefully he gets better yeah, by that, yeah. but he's got some time, but I think I think that'll be uh, good and, good and good, uh, all good. Uh, points are going to be scored. Sark is just, you know, he's a brilliant offensive play caller, yep. except when he's playing TCU yeah. uh, last year. Uh, but yeah, it, oh, man, this like you said, Zion, this is so hard to predict because yeah. there's so many I could see one of these defenses figuring it out and completely stopping the other one the other offense it kind of sucks for Washington that they have to go to New Orleans to play this game yes as the higher seed yep as that, that travel is really yeah. interesting I know I kind of wish Washington played in the Rose Bowl but you know because that just kind of feels like a Pac-12 it thing does. like that just that's what I think of yeah well Michigan obviously the one seed gets to pick where they go and they're not going to pick Sugar because they know they're playing Bama so they're not going to go there mm-hmm. uh, so they're going to go Rose uh I didn't know that they yeah, get to, they, they get to pick they get to pick out of the two options oh that's uh, cool so yeah had Georgia been one they would have picked Sugar yeah um that's why Georgia was in the Peach Bowl last year, and you're like, they're playing in Atlanta? This doesn't yeah. seem very fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that, that's how that goes. Interested? I'm interested to see how that works out for the 12-team playoff. Obviously, that's a different yeah. discussion. Um, oh, man. Just think, in, 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 in a year... That, we, the, three, the three week break will be no more. We'll have yeah. games like in a week and a half after the crazy? selection process. Yeah, it's a completely different dynamic after after this year. Yeah, that TCU Oregon playoff game is just <laughs> going to be so fun. <laughs> Another uh, comeback in store for TCU. Uh, so, I, I guess we can pick them later in yeah, the month. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah, let's wait a little bit. You know, kind of yeah. settle it. Let her yeah. let ourselves think yeah. and process it. Yep. And uh, we'll have our predictions uh, towards the end of the month. Uh, for these uh, CFP games. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to be talking about the rest of the bowl games and talking about some of our favorites uh, right here on Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice. All right, welcome back to the Gazillion Dollar Question. I'm your host, Bob. We've got Joe Schmo here for the final question. Okay, Joe, are you ready? You betcha, Bob. Okay, Joe, all you have to do is answer one of the following three questions. Question one. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Uh, I'd like to use a lifeline, Bob. Uh, question two. What came first, the chicken or the egg? No deal. Uh, all right, last question, Joe. Do you drink and drive? Uh, that's the easiest question in the world. A baby could answer that. 
No, Bob, you don't drink and drive because it's illegal and dangerous. I always have a designated driver if I go out to drink. Bob, I drink responsibly. That's correct. You just won your life. Wait, I thought I won a gazillion dollars. What do you mean? Remember, always be responsible and designate a driver when you drink. It could save your life. This is brought to you by your concerned friends at FM 88.7, The Choice. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Apetian. Alongside me are Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We just got finished talking about uh, the CFP. It's going to be here in about three, maybe three and a half weeks. Um, kind of talked about, you know, our thoughts on the Florida, you know, um, the, the, the CFP leaving out Florida State and including uh, the one loss Alabama Crimson Tide. Gave our predictions, but now we're going to turn over to um, some of the bowl games. We're, we're going to rank some of our favorite bowl games, the ones that we're most excited for, some of the most interesting uh, matchups, per se, as well as some of the most interesting names. So we've got quite a few to choose from, What? because there's 41 total bowl games. Correct? A lot of them. A lot. There's too many, per se. Uh, Maybe, perhaps. I think there should be more. You think there should be more? I think there should be as many as possible because they are always wacky and fun. Yeah, so bowl games starting um, December 16th, uh, running all the way through um, up until... Gosh, the, the, the 8th or 9th of January yeah, for the national championship. Exactly, so got a lot of football left in store here in this postseason. So, uh, Seth, I mean, I, I guess we can all just kind of chime in here whenever, but... Um, we've got kind of our favorite bowl games that we want to go through. Again, matchups, funny names, really interesting uh, matchups. So, Seth, if you want to start us off here. I do. I My favorite matchup uh, of the uh, bowl season is not the Orange Bowl. No, Throw out Florida State and Georgia. We're not doing that here. We're not doing uh, Ohio State and Missouri, Ole Miss, Penn State. No, no. Give me the Valero Alamo Bowl, number 14, Arizona, versus number 12, Oklahoma. I am so looking forward to this game. Dylan Gabriel will not be playing for Oklahoma, but guess who will? What's well, our good friend Jackson Arnold uh, from Denton Geyer High School, five-star freshman quarterback. Uh, so going to be interested to see how he uh, does in that game. And then you got Arizona has had a fantastic season this year, uh, number 14 in the rankings, uh, just concluding a really uh, fun year in the back twelve in the Pac-12 with a Alamo Bowl um, appearance, and these games are always so fun. I don't know if y'all remember the TCU games that've been played in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, they had the Oregon game, were down thirty-one nothing in halftime, and came back to win. And then a very good comeback against Stanford a couple years after that. And these games are good because my theory is it's played indoors in a month where there's a bunch of cold weather games where everyone's freezing to death but this one they can just let that ball fly and points are going to be scored the over under 62 and a half and Nick Fafita who is one of the most polarizing and bipolar quarterbacks on earth uh, will get a chance to attack this Oklahoma defense and I'm excited to just see it because when's the last time you get to watch Arizona in a big time bowl game seriously might not see it again and that's why I'm picking the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, well, Arizona is nine and three. Nine and three, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, for for a period there, they beat what three three consecutive ranked teams, which is yeah, pretty big for them. I mean, Arizona football. It's it's been a long time since they've really been legitimately relevant. Hey, and, and Big Twelve, watch out. Uh, they they're up and coming, and they're coming here next year. So we'll yep. see how that see if that you know transitions over. Yep, exactly. 
All right, I'll go next. Uh, so this is for the legit uh, <laughs> yeah. bowl, I guess. The legit one, bowl, yeah, exactly. The one that are worked. they? Are, are any of them legit? Some are saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, Seth, I'm gonna go a little basic here. I'm not gonna go with the Orange Bowl as excited I am for Georgia versus Florida State, but I am excited to see Ole Miss and Penn State. Um, obviously, Penn State's defense is. Uh, Tops in college football, I mean, argue maybe the best, possibly. You could argue. Um, And, uh, you know, I haven't gotten a lot of time to watch Ole Miss, but they're always usually a really fun fun team to watch, especially offensively. Uh, They rank in the top 20 nationally in both yards per game and points per game. Um, They've just ran into some tough opponents uh, throughout the season with, of course, Penn State playing Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, Ole Miss, they lost to Georgia and Bama. So that should be interesting to see. I, I don't really have a pick for who I think is going to win. I, I think, you know, my heart's telling me Penn State. But, uh, yeah, that should be a pretty fun game, pretty, you know, clash of great defense versus great offense. Should be fun. Peach Bowl is always usually a good time, too. It so, is. Uh, again, another one of those games played indoors in yeah. a very cold weather uh, month. That was what last year was. Uh, that, that was one of the CFP yeah. semifinals, right? Yeah. That was the Georgia game. Is that in uh, Atlanta? What's that? Yeah, Mercedes-Benz. Jeez. Yeah, uh, so so Ole Miss and Penn State was one that I was looking at as well. You know, to be honest, you guys know this. Um, I know TCU football very well and Big 12 football very well. I'm still trying to get more into all the other conferences. So I don't really know much about some of these teams. But a game that I'm kind of looking forward to, I guess, um, I'm trying to decide if I want to use this one for the name or for my legit bowl, <laughs> but I'm actually really interested in it just for fun. But I'm gonna scratch that. Notre Dame and Oregon State definitely kind of yeah, kind of makes me a little interested yeah. to see. Um, Oregon State eight and four, Notre Dame nine and three. Um, that'll be in El Paso. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how this game pans out. I I've I've got Notre Dame taking it, but I, I I'd be really curious to see how. How the Beavers put up a fight, um, you well, know. Especially after losing their head coach, who yes. will not be coaching in this game. Exactly. So that's and a lot of people are already entering the transfer portal for yep. Oregon State. So yep. uh, interested to see how that. I you know that's that's a good one because I always love watching Oregon State. Again, one of those other Pac-12 yep. teams that's not you know normally successful. Also, they are one of the teams getting left behind in this whole uh, conference realignment. Yep. So I, I you know what I hope they win. Yeah, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yes, t- Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. <laughs> I, Ian was trying to omit that information as long as possible. <laughs> All right, fun matchup. That's not a fun bowl game name. Is yeah. that what we're doing next? Yeah, time? more. Yeah, ju- the the just for fun like these teams. All righty, I'm gonna go with the Liberty Bowl. Memphis and Iowa State. Oh, okay. I didn't know. So, first of all, this is a home game for Memphis. They play in the stadium that this bowl game will be at. Uh, So, unfair, some are saying. But Iowa State, 7-5, a better season for them than I think a lot of people anticipated. Uh, I mean, you look at 7-5 and five and you say, that's not that great, Seth. I know it's not, but for Iowa State, you all know how hard it is to win at Iowa State? It's pretty hard to win at Iowa State. Uh, and then Memphis... Uh, Seth Hennigan, the quarterback, by the way, my uh, Seth Hero, by the okay. way, we call him in the Seth world. There you go. Um, Three thousand uh, plus yard season, only nine interceptions of the year. So looking forward to see how uh, he plays in that game. But Iowa State, you know, rooting for them to win for the Big Twelve sake and uh, seeing how they attack that Memphis crowd because, as I said, it's a Memphis home game. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, okay, so I picked this one as my fun bowl because. I just 
cannot wait to see this, um, how this plays out, the Fiesta Bowl, Liberty versus Oregon. Um, because Liberty has not played anyone. Like, they literally have not played. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. It ranks as the uh, least competitive schedule in college football. 133 out of 133. Nice. And yet they're ranked number 23. Who's going to play number eight, Oregon? Is Bo Nix going to play? Yes, he is. He is? Okay. So they're going to just tear that Liberty team apart. That's my prediction. I I think they're going to lose by like 20-plus probably. Maybe I just... I'm completely underestimating Liberty. You might be. I will say this. Obviously, it's hard to go 13-0. Right? That's hard. It is. It is hard, no matter who you play. So you give them props for that. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't really see... The only way I see this is that Oregon is unmotivated, uh, and they have a bunch of players opt out of it, and yeah. Liberty obviously is motivated. This is their first time to ever play in a big-time bowl game like this. So that's the only way I feel like... Like a lack of motivation versus yep. just uh, we're going to play with our hair on fire. Yeah, it's just I think it's fun for me because it's like Oregon's such a powerhouse. You know, we all know Oregon and that that history. And Liberty's just coming in here like, wait, who are you? But wait, you're 13 and 0. Like what? People are going to be shocked. You know that when they watch this game and see that a team like that is 13 and 0, and some will be like, why aren't they ranked higher? And you know, you look at their schedule. But I, I don't know. It's going to be fun. But like, I just kind of think Oregon's going to pounce them. And it also made SMU fans pretty upset because they were supposed to be – they thought they were going to be playing in this game, right? Yep. Yeah, they, it was between them and Liberty for the New York Six spot. Uh, they pick Liberty, and SMU goes to the Fenway Bowl instead <laughs> against Boston College. Yeah, wasn't it like the – what was it called? Like It's the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Wasabi Fenway Bowl. It's going to be spicy. Where, they're, where SMU's going to smoke Boston College probably. So Yeah. Uh, Liberty, uh, gotta get out of the conference USA. They're not respecting you enough, man. I know. Honestly, though, I think that they can run that league for a long time, though, because that league is not that good. Yeah, Liberty's pretty good. It's Ched. That's uh, free dubs right there. Yeah, um, Ian. Gosh, so I, I'm like, I'm kind of in between two. I don't know which one I want to say this towards because I don't want it to sound mean, but it's either going to be New Mexico State against Fresno State. Or California against Texas Tech. I was going to pick that one. Yeah. It's between those two, but both of them are just going to be the battle of mid. I mean, yeah. it's just... Hey, just, the uh, Jerry Kill, New Mexico State, <laughs> leading the charge. Exactly, though. No, but but that's also why I chose it, because Jerry Kill, obviously, and they won the, their bowl game last year. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm curious to see that. Um, also, no, um, not no, but, you know, Derek Carr is one of my favorite quarterbacks, and he went to Fresno State. Devontae Adams is a Raider. He went to Fresno State. So, I mean, more, more just like the connections of the teams that I like. Um, but, again, then California and Texas Tech, I'm curious to see how that goes down. That's going to be in Shreveport. Um, Shreveport's an interesting place. <laughs> it's a very interesting place. Um, battle with, of mid, though. Six I'm, and six for both teams. I'm with you with New Mexico State, Fresno State, yeah. though. I can get behind that. Yeah. Did you see what Jerry Kill was wearing at the Conference USA Championship game? No. Dude was – oh, look it up. It is – he Jerry is – he was – fashionista mr kill i'm always going to root for him obviously because he gave me the most enjoyment whenever he was the interim head coach during that baylor game like i will always definitely one of the the high points as a tc fan um you know attending a game for sure yeah gosh what that was two years ago now is that crazy that was our freshman year got him a head coaching job yeah and he's done a really good job he has he's done a great job so this is the first time they've won 10 games new mexico state since 1960 
Whoa. Wow. Good for them. 1960. Yeah. Man, what was go. going on back then? JFK. Um. <laughs> yeah, and then Cal Texas Tech should be interesting. I mean, you know, should be a fun game. It's name time. Let's do it. As we all know, some of these bowl so games dumb. have the stupidest names of all time. And there's so many to choose from that it's almost too easy right now for me. God, I'm still looking at someone just laughing at some of these names. All right. Oh, my God. I'm going to go with the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, that was on my list for sure. Uh, it is one of the best occasions because the winner of the bowl game's head coach is dumped in a with a Gatorade bath of mayo after the game. Oh, what? Oh, that's, that's gross. sick. Yeah, that's disgusting. I know. So it's West Virginia versus North Carolina. So we're either going to see Neil Brown or uh, Mac Brown, to the Brown head coach last name, yeah. uh, uh, get dumped in mayo. Last year during this game, so NC State played in this game a couple years ago. I don't remember if it was last year, but they played in the, they played in it. And the decisions that NC State's head coach, Dave Dwan, was making in the game made it seem like he wanted to lose because he did not want to get dumped in mayo. It was, it was, the decisions were so bad, my only conclusion would be that he did not want to get dumped in mayo. Therefore, that's why he was making the decisions. Can you blame the guy? I can't. Cannot blame the guy. All right. I will go next. Uh, so I, I really wanted to do the Tony the Tiger yeah, Sun yeah, Bowl yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go with the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yes. Classic. Yes. It's classic. Georgia State and Utah State. Wow. Um, that should be interesting. It's I, quite a blue field. Yeah. Uh, oh, and God, that too. That's be nasty. Um, Utah State, uh, I don't know anything about them besides the fact that they were. Didn't they make March Madness like as a basketball? Basketball. I don't know, but Jordan Love went there. Oh, uh, Georgia State. That's a, that's they, a school. They play at Turner Field. Okay. There you go. Um. Yeah. What are they gonna like hold a hoist a golden potato? The uh, the, it's a bowl of potatoes. Oh, okay. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Oh god. Yeah. Dude, that's that's sad. Um, <laughs> bowl of potatoes. And I, I was just looking here. Uh, so we are hosting the Armed Forces Bowl between Air Force. It's gonna and be chilly. J- James Madison. Yeah. Go, uh, go Dukes. Go James Madison. I'm sorry, servicemen and women. I I'm gonna go I'm for. Sorry. I'm gonna root for Air Force because that's gonna. They're gonna win that game by throwing the ball three times. <laughs> um, that's what they're known for. Which yep. is a counterintuitive to the name of Air Force. Yeah, uh, they're but, not throwing the ball uh, in the air. They are pounding the football. Uh, yeah. That that's a good one, uh, Ian. Give God, us your bowl dude, name. There there are some really good ones here. They really are. I'm I'm in between a couple. The one that just I don't know. Like like honestly, I mean, I'm looking through these for like the first time, so I'm very like intrigued by all of them. Most like, of like, the bad where names come from. Most of the know? bad names come from the sponsor of the bowl. Exactly. Like the name itself is fine, but then you're like the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl. so that that was gonna be one of mine and i was like i was like okay that's not terrible then you have radiance technologies independence bowl starker brands la bowl hosted by gronk <laughs> so but famous wordy. toastery is kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> i i just think of a little toaster yeah that's a good one it's a new yeah. new to the lineup is the famous toaster it is bowl. yeah it used to be known as the bahamas bowl which i mean i, I there was nothing wrong with that name <laughs> Uh, it gave you a lot of information up front. Yeah, exactly. Um, Western Kentucky seven and five taking on Old Dominion, who are six and six. This one's going to be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
So, famous toastery bowl between uh, Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. That should be fun. Before we go, honorable mention, of course, Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, I was, yep. Dude, I was literally about to say that. <laughs> the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, have y'all seen the thing where the mascot's going to be edible? Ooh, is it really? It's going to be an edible Pop-Tart. He's going to pop out now, of the toaster. Now, I have a lot of questions here. So, is it a edible Pop-Tart with a person inside of it, or is it just a massive Pop-Tart? I hope it's a That'd massive. That'd be sick if it's a massive Pop-Tart. That's would... not a mascot, though. I would, but like, just put some eyes on it, and it's a mascot, and then I I will fly to Orlando to have some of that pop tart. That'd be awesome. I, I'm so sad that the Cheez It Bowl is dead, but that we've replaced it now with the Pop Tarts Bowl. Just pretty Make, valid. It, it, it brings my heart, you know, a little bit more happiness, and it's also like a pretty good game. NC yeah. State versus Kansas <laughs> State. Yeah. Some Wolf Pack or a Wildcat will have a pop tart for dinner. Yeah, and. Honestly, I'm looking forward to the pictures after too, with all the yeah. pop tarts. Yeah. What flavor of pop tart is y'all's favorite? Brown sugar. Yeah. The, Toasted. The, Bra- the cinnamon or microwaved. Yeah, yeah, the brown sugar cinnamon or the strawberry are probably yeah. my, my cinnamon. Top two. Yeah. There's some wacky ones. Yeah, there's some that I've seen. I'm like, oh, but like, here's the thing. I didn't really have it too much as a kid because like I wasn't really allowed to, you know. Yep. But like I, you know, in high school I'd eat them a lot more as I was, you know. But yeah, I'd say like the cinnamon one. Yeah, that one's gas. So no, we've we've got some really fun uh, bowl games, some some great matchups and some fun games on tap in terms of their name and some of these uh, some of these matchups as well. But that will bring this segment to an end. But uh, in this next segment, we're going straight back to some TCU basketball, men's and women's, as well as some NCAA basketball with the top five shaken up just a little bit. So when we come back here, we will be getting into some NCAA hoops right here on Riff Ram Review. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school... I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Today, my new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. He knew exactly what to do. I had no clue what I was doing. We set up the rocket. We set up the rocket. Hit ignition. Hit ignition. And then? And then nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I laugh when I'm frustrated. Then out of nowhere, the rocket launched into the air. The rocket did get into the air. I've never seen anything fly so high. And then crashed into a kite. Look out! Look out! And then the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Reframe Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napishan and Seth Dowdle. We're going to be talking about some college basketball. Uh, starting things off here with the with TCU basketball, men's and women's, who just continue to roll. And for the men's team, they took a win over Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Georgetown. <laughs> we wish. Yeah, we, we wish. We wish. Um, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Uh, no. <laughs> so the, they got a win uh, against Georgetown on Saturday. You know, I know a lot of people were watching football. I took a brief break to watch the end of this game in what was the most, one of the most insane game winners I've seen in my life. Uh, thanks to Emmanuel, courtesy of Emmanuel Miller who had about two and a half seconds left. Micah Peavy inbounds the ball. He shoots off one leg, like turn around, fading away for three to win the game off off glass and banks it in. And, well, he was out of bounds. It was so good it shouldn't have counted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was out of bounds, but they can't review it because there was no call on the floor saying he was out of bounds. And honestly, how are you going to just take away a great shot like that? Just say, oop, he stepped out of bounds. That Him stepping out of bounds did not impact, like whether he was in or out, it doesn't impact the, sh- the shots. Yeah, and, and, and also with that, I think what was also kind of good to see at the end of the game and after, after the fact was that the Georgetown um, head coach said, look, Game shouldn't have had to come down to that type of, you know, that type of instance where we would be fighting over something like that. He gave credit to TCU. You know, he said, "Look, if if you know if if we really should have won the game, we had our chances earlier." Yeah. You know, so it does suck though for Georgetown. Oh, it does. They have it total. Does. They have total reason to feel like they were cheated out of a win. There. Totally. Uh, but I have total reason to be ecstatic about yeah. that win. Yeah. It was very funny. So I'm not watching the game. I'm sitting at a comedy show. <laughs> Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, you so text us. We were watching the end of the Bama Georgia game on our phone, and then that ended. And then I, we go to the I go to TCU and I look at the score, and it was tied. But Georgia, George, oh my gosh, Georgetown. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's hard uh, to not shake <laughs> Georgia. Georgetown yeah. was shooting free throws with what what two and a half seconds left, uh, and they made both or made one. I don't remember. They made both. Made yeah. both uh, to go up, and then I go, oh dang, it's over, right? There's no way. And then I look away, and I see that we won. And I immediately go to Twitter. And Zion, you texted on the group chat, Oh, my gosh. And then you said, Never mind. And you said, Wait, yes. <laughs> yep. That was the same you know, reaction of TCU people on Twitter. It's like, Well, dang it, he stepped out of bounds. I guess we lose. And everyone was like, Wait, oh, what? Uh, never mind. Yeah, that was the most up and down feeling I've ever felt off a, the end of a game because it was like, it's very rare when you see something that's so clear that he was out, and you're like, okay, you're just setting your like, you're ready for it. Like, all right, game's over. And like, oh, basket counts because the refs were talking to Jamie, and they're, you know, it looked like they're, you know, saying no, no, and I was like, ah, oh, dang it. And then like, basket counts. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, we yeah. won! Holy crap! And it was a great game for Emmanuel Miller, 29 points, I believe it was a career high, I believe. Um, I'd yeah, be, was it? Yeah, I'd be shocked it, oh, if you yeah. topped that. Yeah, I was gonna say 29 is um, a lot, especially yeah, for you, man. Yeah, yeah. Jacoby Cole said 17. Um, a great win for TCU. Uh, you know, really against their first formidable opponent um, in this 2023-2024 season. So great win. 
And, yeah. and a good test for them coming up against uh, number 24th yeah. ranked Clemson. Uh, so TCU gets another shot to prove, hey, we're one of the top 25 teams in the country uh, in Toronto. Yep. Uh, what is this, this, this Saturday, I believe? Yeah. Discount Tire Hall of Fame Series, Toronto. Presented by Ruoff Mortgage. What is this a bowl? What is this a bowl game? What I know. Are we doing here? I know. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, th- just just like you said, Seth. I, I mean, a- every week that TCU's been playing, they've gotten more and more votes. A big win against Clemson here r- would would really cement that that statement of hey, we belong in the top twenty-five. You know, and again, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get to it later. But this top twenty-five is looking pretty spicy, especially in regard to some of these Big Twelve teams under there too. But you know, re- really great start for for TCU men's basketball. Again, you know, strength of schedule, sure, but these were the games that we were really having trouble with last season that didn't really give us this confidence. Uh, but we've we've done our job against all of these teams, and sure, Georgetown maybe wasn't. It, it was. It was. I mean, it, it was. It's. It's obviously a tough opponent, but. This was the this was a this was a good test at this point of the season before you kind of hit Clemson and have that rematch against Arizona State um, on December sixteenth at Dickey's Arena. So yeah, that was a great win. So again, for the rest of the season, they have four more, or well, four at the minimum. They yeah. they play in uh, Honolulu coming up uh, at the end of December. There's two uh, t- TBD games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clemson, they must not know what they're doing Clemson, if it's TBA. Yeah, Clemson, Arizona State, Ultimate. <laughs> I don't even know who they're playing. What are they supposed to do? Goodness gracious. Uh, in Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, and then they'll play Kansas on uh, January 6th. Yeah. Uh, so the women's team, they uh, picked up a win over Abilene Christian last night, uh, 77-60. to Uh Big game for Madison Connor, who you know had a forty-one point game uh, against Tulsa. Absolutely ridiculous. Then follows it up with twenty-nine per- points, shooting nine of nineteen from three. She just chucks, and That's it's crazy. such. She has such a smooth jumper too. Like her step back and the spin that she gets on the ball, it's like it's crispy. I love it. It's a uh, she's she's such a great player. And then Sedona Prince with 24 points and 10 blocks. There's not a single player on that Abilene Christian team that was even close to Sedona Prince's height, and she just puts her hand up and swats it. I mean, it was it was too easy. Can also, it was good to see them face a little adversity and respond to it in yes. a productive manner. They that had a really awesome quarter. first quarter, right? They yep. go up big time, and then in the second quarter. Evelyn Christian dwindles the lead down to just four yeah. at halftime, and I'm sitting there like, oh my goodness, are they like, are going to blow this? Are they, they going to blow this? And then they came out in the second half and looked great, and that's just exactly what you want out of a team when they face with adversity is, hey, okay, we're down, but we're we're getting right back up, and that's what they did. And props to them, nine and zero, best start in school history. One more games already this year than they did last year. Yeah. That in itself is an accomplishment, and just. The horizon looks really good right now for this team. It yeah. does. And, and you know, going back to when we had Sedona on the show, right, she was obviously very excited to get this season going. But, you know, up until you really start and you see where that team's at, maybe for the players but also for us as as fans, it's kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the team's excited. I'm hoping all these pieces come together. And I think what's great is that this team is coming together pretty quickly 
and seeing what they're able to do at this point in the season gets me really excited to see that they've still got basically just under one full month left before Big 12 play. Um, and again, you know, with, with someone like Sedona Prince, she, she's had her injuries in the past, and I was kind of anxious to see how she, how she would get on here, but she's really, really doing a great job kind of just, just putting her imprint, her, her, her style of play onto TCU. And, and I mean, again, this is, I think this is the second longest winning streak in program history it's right amazing. now. Um, 9-0. Got Prairie View A and M on uh, Sunday, December se- uh, Sunday, December tenth, and looking for uh, lo- looking for a ten and zero start, which, which which would just be insane. And again, couldn't be happier for this team. They've they've paid their dues over the last couple years. Obviously, Mark Campbell coming in and bringing a lot of new transfers into this team. You know, it was great and and just just very happy for the team. So yeah, TCU. Uh, you know, if y'all y'all need to get out to some men's and women's games yep. because uh it is basketball time in fort worth uh one of four programs in the country that have an undefeated men's and women's basketball team i think the it's uh colorado state baylor uh tcu and then i don't maybe one south more. carolina did, or something yeah did, did sports center post that that sports center something like I that i saw that um, but while y'all find that, um, yeah. it's, it's just, it's incredible. So, uh, make sure y'all get out to a game. Uh, the next one will be Sunday, uh, against Prairie View A&M for women's, uh, at 2 p.m. Um, I will be doing the pregame show. So, you know, if y'all oh, want to listen, right. yeah. yeah, um, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, there's, with going back to men's basketball, there's been kind of a lot of shake, a shakeup here in, in the top five, uh, Purdue, uh, last week was ranked number one. They fall to number four. Uh, I cannot remember off the top of my head who they. Oh, Northwestern. They lost to Northwestern. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Storming yeah, they, the court. Yeah, right? they yeah. stormed the court. Uh, Arizona moves to the number one spot. Uh, you have Kansas at two. Um, Houston three, Purdue four, and UConn five. Uh, that Kansas UConn game was a lot of fun. To, uh, a lot of fun. Um, and Baylor not too far out there at, at number six, but. Uh, kind of the common theme here, Big 12. Yes. Um, I think that was kind of the statement uh, the Big 12 was trying to make is that, hey, football, eh, we're not amazing, yeah. but we're okay. Took a hit, but. Basketball, yeah, uh, this is intense, especially with Arizona uh, joining the Big 12 next season. Uh, you would have the top three teams in college basketball in the same conference. Unbelievable. Uh, and then Baylor there at six. So um, BYU at, at four, twelve. BYU at fourteen. Oklahoma yeah. at nineteen. Texas, as you said, at twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and TCU is playing pretty close to a top twenty-five team. They will probably be in there at some point. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Colorado at uh, receiving votes as well. Yep. Uh, I think. Uh, oh yeah. Do y'all think? <laughs> I was like Colorado. they're joining us. So I've many had, teams. Are I've had us. a theory about this, you know, for a while, and I I, I haven't said it on the show, but Brett Yarmark, obviously Big Twelve Commissioner, has realized that football is taking a step back, and it's hard to replenish that with the pool of schools available. If that makes any sense. Yep. So obviously, Utah helps. I think a lot. BYU when they're good uh, helps, uh, but he's also realizing. That basketball, while it is not as big as football, and it will never be as big as football in terms of collegiate popularity, can keep you in the sphere of influence. Because March Madness is so huge that if you can build a good enough conference in basketball that you 
are just awesome all the time, then they're forced to kind of give you a seat at the table in football, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. those two are connected in a lot of ways uh, financially. So if if they can build a big enough basketball conference to where it you have to keep them at the table for football, I think that's kind of the plan. I don't know if it'll work. It's kind of working right now, in my opinion. Uh, but Because the Big 12 is out of the now four conferences available is stable enough like the SEC and the Big Ten, unlike the ACC, uh, which I kind of feel like is entering the final march to death, uh, given the Florida State news that just came out, obviously, that uh, if they're like, we can't even get in with a 13-0 season, then why are we here? But that's beside the point. I just want to say I think that's kind of the strategy. It's awesome to see this because – it legitimizes TCU basketball even further. Yeah, yeah, and and to see what TCU has done in recent years, and to just you know, obviously it's it's going to be a hard road with with the Big Twelve getting as as competitive as it will become. It's going to be a tough road, but this is this is exactly what you want if you're TCU, because it draws more eyes. It draw. I mean, your program will be in and and to me already is in the best basketball conference you know in the nation. So. While the competition might be tough, you're going to be drawing so many eyes. It's going to help with recruiting. Um, TCU isn't going to go over easy. You know, they may not. It may be some time until they get up towards the top. You know, obviously with some of these big powerhouses. But for TCU, this is this is huge, and for the Big Twelve as well. Yeah, and it's good for college basketball because a lot of people don't typically watch till March. Honestly, a lot of people don't like to watch regular season games for some reason. I do. I enjoy them. But, like, imagine what that's going to do when you have multiple games where top five teams are going at it. You know, you have Houston versus uh, Arizona, for instance, or something like that. You're going to have Kansas um, versus Baylor or whatever, you know, Kansas versus TCU, whatever. And that's going to just – that's going to draw a lot more attention. So I think it's really good that, you know, the Big 12 is able to – you know, stack up because it's really annoying to me to see uh, Texas and Oklahoma fans kind of um, not legitimizing the Big 12 as a conference. And a lot of people have been downplaying it. And it's like, guys, football is not the only thing here. There are so many other sports out there. And especially for basketball, if you're able to, you know, more people are going to start watching basketball. And if you're able to legitimize yourself through that, then that's a great way to go. And then baseball, we'll see, you know, Big 12, SEC, whatever, but, you know. And then there's the discussions that, I mean, these are all rumors, and rumors are rumors, but where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire, is the, you know, discussions with Gonzaga about joining the league and the discussions potentially about UConn joining the league. I think that UConn's a little far-fetched, but Gonzaga seems to have a little bit of juice behind it. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, because their only real competition in that conference is St. Mary's, right? I mean, yeah. it used, BYU used to be in that conference, um, if I'm not mistaken. You're yep. correct. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, St. Mary's kind of been the only real competition for Gonzaga, and they usually win. They lost last year, but um, and St. Mary's isn't as good this year. But, yeah, I think Gonzaga would want to get themselves their foot in the door in a real competitive conference. It would help legitimize because, like, they haven't won that national title, and everyone just calls them like that regular season team. That's a discussion for another time. But Gonzaga, come on to the big boy table. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's partner up here. Part, part, partner up. Get on the saddle, son. Yeah. Um, kind of interesting too with the top twenty-five. Uh, Duke has fallen from number seven to number twenty-two. 
they're kind of fraudulent. I don't know. I watched uh, that that game against Arkansas. I mean, um, I don't know. And then they lost to Georgia Tech by four. They lost to Arizona. So I mean, I, I don't know. It's uh, not easy to replace Coach K. Um, and I'd build t- up that program. I'll say this: Coach K uh, was not easy to like, and still is not. But John Shire is easy to like. It was kind of funny in that Arkansas game. Uh, Arkansas had like a dagger three to mm-hmm. pretty much put the game away, and they went to a reaction shot of John Shire, and he was, just, and it was just like he went, "Oh darn!" Yeah, um, <laughs> that was exactly what it was like. Yeah. It was just like, "Dang it!" And meanwhile, Coach K would have been. I don't know. He would have done something else that yeah. would have been not as fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they got an interesting team there with uh, Roach, Jeremy Roach, and Filipowski. Jeremy Roach is forty years old. I'm, you can't I, convince me. I know. And is the rest of their team? Are they? I mean, I feel like they're a pretty young team for the most part. Maybe I'm wrong there. Yeah. They. I mean, it's pretty much all freshmen, sophomore, um, and then yeah, Jeremy Roach has been there for a while. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. They fell way out, and maybe they're a little fraudulent. We will see. And the thing with basketball, it's it's more uh, transient of sorts. Like like the results, like from one day to the next, can be completely different. I mean, it's the same in all sports, but basketball more so than football, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's especially early on here. Uh, Duke, you know, they might catch fire toward the end, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, this is a fun basketball season. Big Twelve. Uh, obviously, right now we're kind of treading water with TCU basketball in terms yeah. of competition. It's getting. More intense as the yep. game against Georgetown just you know exemplified. Just showed, yep, exactly. Yeah, so uh, that'll wrap things up for our college basketball talk. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the NFL and specifically what's going on with all the quarterbacks getting injured and the shakeups there. So you're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work, there's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council.
What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Reframe Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ian Napetian, and I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle as we move into the final segment of tonight's show. We had a great show so far, uh, talking with Curtis Byrne from TCU Baseball, going over some college football, some college basketball, and now getting into NFL to wrap up tonight's episode, um, which we're really going to be focusing on quarterbacks. It's kind of been the story of the season, especially the story of late quarterbacks going down due to injury. Um, I, I feel like over the last couple of years, that position of, you know, of being that backup quarterback, even sometimes being a third string, is much more important now than it has ever been. Um, going, going into a season, your quarterback is going to get hurt. That's, that's, that's one of those basic things now that we have to expect. And it's kind of sad, though, seeing some of the guys that are out you know, this year, but um, it's really been plaguing a lot of teams. Yeah, and uh, I think the Cowboys have kind of been, uh, you know, I have to use them as an example, not only because they're my team, but they're, it's actually a good example. They've been weary of that a little bit. Yep. They have, obviously, Prescott, Cooper Rush, and Trey Lance. All those guys are pretty capable quarterbacks and, you know, could go out there and, and give your team a shot in case Prescott goes down, especially for Rush, who you know has won multiple games in the past. And Trey Lance is young and, you know, lots of interesting talent there. We'll see. But, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty, pretty insane to see how many quarterbacks have gone down. You know it's bad when I – when you go into fantasy football and yes. I have Lamar Jackson on a bye and I don't have another quarterback because I have Lamar Jackson. I don't need to worry about that. But for one week I do. I had Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, uh, Gardner Minshew. Hey, Gardner Minshew, pick him up. Minshew? Uh, Minshew Minshewmania. Jake Browning. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I went with Russ against Houston. He did okay. Yeah. But, like, you should pick Jake Browning. I mean, I should have, but like again, like it's just it's Jake Browning. It's Jake. How Browning. would you not know this? My God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Seriously, um, but it, it just Goodness shows. Gracious. It just shows like the level of talent. Tom Brady was kind of spitting. I'm just gonna say it, about mediocrity, and not huh. because, and it is partially because there's so many hurt quarterbacks, but just in general. Here is the list of quarterbacks with season-ending injuries. There are more that have been like nicked up, but yeah. here's the ones that are season-ending. Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the second day of the season. Second play. Second play. Hey, man, who knows? He could be back. He He's be not. I don't know. He could. Uh, Anthony Richardson. Oh, that was tough. Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. Uh, Kenny Pickett got hurt yet on Sunday. Uh, he had uh, tightrope surgery on his ankle. He's not out for the year, but he will miss a couple of weeks. Then Trevor Lawrence. Also got hurt. Uh, hey, there's got to be some other people that Der- have been. The Derek, Derek Carr was in uh, yeah. concussion protocol. He he's been in and out. Jimmy as Garoppolo well. is uh, whatever yeah. it's going on there. Yeah, uh, Matt, he's, hurt or just bad. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm fine with Sometimes it. Sometimes <laughs> they go one uh, hand in hand. Yeah, uh, Stafford. Stafford's been nicked up a lot this year. Um, man, you could just go up. You could just go through like the list of teams and you would see oh they've probably played a, a backup at some point uh it's crazy like it feels like it's more than usual no no it's, it's definitely more than usual um and, and i think it's interesting i mean there's not really a correlation here but you know i mean the nfl has made rule changes in the in the past to keep their quarterback safe right and 
you know, it's just the season. It's, you know, it's it's perhaps it's one of those anomaly seasons or just outliers, but guys are just going down like flies. Um, I mean, going down or even just not not needing, you know, or, or you know, sorry, guys going down or just stars being relieved of, of their duties. I mean, we were just talking briefly off the air. Zach Wilson came into the season supposed to be backing up Rodgers, gets the job after that week one uh, injury, then becomes a backup. Then you know, third string starts again, third string, and now now He's Robert star, Sala man. is calling him, be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> you want to start for us again?" <laughs> you know, after all this like lack of confidence pouring into Zach Wilson's head, it's like, "Hey, you want to take some snaps snaps for us on Sunday?" Yeah, <laughs> You're like, Geez. yeah, and don't and not to mention Kyler Murray was dealing with an injury, yeah. and he's he's one of the only guys returning yep. from an injury right now. Um, it just makes me oh, never mind. I'm gonna. Not gonna jinx. Not gonna jinx. Yeah, oh, be um, careful, man. Be careful. Yeah, big big game this weekend. Yeah. We, we saw yeah. on the TV they're talking about it like crazy today. Yeah, so. it's Wednesday, boys. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, here are lists of other quarterbacks who have missed time. Uh, we mentioned some. Ryan Tannehill uh, is missed time, and then Will Levis is now looking like the full time starter. Go for Will Levis. Um, I like him. Garoppolo mentioned that. Justin Fields forgot about that. Uh, oh, yeah. Missed yes, a lot of time right. for a little bit with his thumb. Bryce Young missed some time. Uh, Desmond Ritter, sort of, not really, just kind of bench. Oh, stinks. Um, I, I have a, I have a thing to pick with Desmond Ritter, man, or and maybe then, with the Falcons. And then well. Geno Smith missed a couple of drives, and we had to see, oh, our boy, my boy, Drew Locke, yeah. try to get some snaps again. Yeah. And then here are some other quarterbacks who have just had, not they have missed they haven't missed any time, but they've had to you know go in the X ray room to you know yeah. get some maybe a band aid of sorts. Uh, Bills quarterback, you know Justin. Uh, not what am I talking about? Josh Allen. Justin Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Allen uh, hurt his shoulder. Mac Jones um, again. Maybe is he just bad? He just sucks. Uh, yeah. Had to go into the X ray room. Uh, Lamar Jackson hurt his ankle a couple weeks ago. Uh, C J Stroud. Had some shoulder problems. Justin Herbert broke his middle finger on his non-throwing hand. I don't know if you remember that. He had that Wait, huge. Who was it? Justin Herbert. Oh, that's right. He had that right. huge cast on that his middle on, finger right? on his left yeah. hand. He couldn't take snaps under center because it, it his finger. It was kind of wacky. Uh, Patrick Mahomes hurt his hand. Uh, just Jalen Hurts missed uh, a, couple, a drive, a drive and a half. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, the Eagles game last week. Uh, then Brock Purdy had a concussion. One yeah, week. yeah. So it's like. Never mind. I don't want to. I'm just, don't I'm, jinx it. Yeah, don't I'm, jinx it. Uh, yeah, we had Jake Browning versus C.J. Beathard for a little bit on uh, Monday Night Football. And C.J. Beathard got hurt in the first play yeah, of the game that he had. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but it also opens the door for some exciting stories, I guess. Of course, I think we can all admit we want these guys healthy because we want the best product on the field. But it's also given guys like Joshua Dobbs a lot of recognition. Um, I mean... That's kind of it, though. Yeah, I mean, no, like, see, yeah, and and like, like, that's it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I said it last week with Chandler Morris. I think it kind of applies to Josh Dobbs. There's a reason why Josh Dobbs is Josh Dobbs. The Vikings didn't see anything that makes them say, "Wow, nobody saw this over the last four to five years," but we've we've picked it out, right? I mean, it, I think the story of Josh Dobbs is great. Kind of, you know, those those three four weeks if it if it was you know that that he was doing well and and was kind of you know what what do they call him like astronaut or something like that yeah um, uh, aerospace engineer A- aerospace engineer right yeah um you know i mean it's great but at the same time like there's a reason why josh jobs hasn't had that breakthrough yet right and uh, but again it's it's good 
I want quarterbacks healthy because I'm sick and tired of these crappy Thursday night football games too. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah, it's it's really gonna come down to who's healthy at the end of the season. Um, you just you, I mean, health is so so important right now. Um, and you know, I think when you look at the top five teams, uh, you know, Ravens, uh, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, yep. probably in that. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, they all have, you know, healthy quarterbacks. Yep. So um, it's going to come down to that. Um, yep. Healthy quarterbacks and, and good offensive lines. So, yeah, yeah right? that helps yeah. a lot. That helps a lot when your quarterback's not running and thrown off their back foot, right? Again, it's 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 one of the basics of football, but it's, it's basic for a reason. You can have whoever you want in the backfield. You can have whatever targets um, in your receiving core, whatever running back back there as well. If you don't have an offensive line to protect your quarterback or to create holes for those running backs, you have nothing. It's it's as simple as that. I do have some bad news that I need to deliver to everybody. Oh, I do. Like like it just came out? No, I I just want to say that I'm really sorry for these six teams because they are ineligible for playoff contention now. Um, the Vikings, the Colts, the Jets. Uh, the Bengals, oh. the Browns, and the Giants, unfortunately, will be in a, ineligible for the playoff because they don't have a starting quarterback and aren't <laughs> the same team that they were two oh, weeks ago. Oh, I was like, that's a lot of teams. So I, I'm, I'm like, there's still like three weeks yeah, left. Yeah, I'm like, the left. Bengals, like, what? I'm so sorry. They can't make that's it. Funny. Uh, they can't make it. Dang it. That's funny. That's that funny. sucks. I'm oh, so my sorry. God. That's hell. Isn't it crazy that the, uh, that the, Eagles won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, they shouldn't even made the playoffs. Why did the committee put them in? Yeah. Makes no sense. Not the yeah. same team here, guys. Yeah. Uh, who's I'm sorry, your... I just had to... No, no, that, that was great. That was, that was awesome. That was a great little jab. That was funny. Um, who's your guys' MVP right now? Tyreek Hill. Okay. I could throw a screen pass to Tyreek Hill. Me and Micah Parsons. <laughs> uh, MVP, uh, Dakota Prescott. Yeah, um, I, I would say him or uh, or or Brock Purdy. Um, See, Brock Purdy, I like the guy. I love the guy. Big Twelve represent from Iowa State, Mister Irrelevant, doing great. It's just, I mean, he, you know what? He does his job. He does his job, and that's all you ask for from a quarterback. He's got a great team. He's got a great O line. I don't think he's doing anything special, but at this at at the, at the same time. He's doing his job, you know. I, I, I think anyone at that position could do just as well, but good for him. I'm I'm always on the fence with him, dude. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like it's, Man, this guy's good and then sometimes I'm just like, dude, it's the team he's got. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a balance of both and I I you know, maybe this is true or not, but you know, I don't like to call people system quarterbacks, but the system's working for Brock Purdy, and if this is what works, this is what works. And that system has always been really quarterback friendly. I mean, if you can make Jimmy Garoppolo look pretty good, you can, yeah. you know you're doing a good job. You made the Raiders come out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. You did something right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm on the fence with Brock too. I love him, and uh, it's just always it's so hard to judge him because he's would he be the same without Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, yeah. Yeah. Again, the O line. Obviously, the answer to that question is no. He would not be the yeah. same. But then you could also inverse it. Would they be the same without Brock Purdy? And you're like, it's like whatever. I don't yeah. know. So, uh, yeah, it's or would all of them be the same without Kyle Shanahan? It's yeah. just, it's a question. And, and see, I, I guess when I think about that now in hindsight, I say, look, Garoppolo was there, but they didn't do anything special aside from that one year. And was that 19? Was that 2019 when they went to the Super Super Bowl against the Chiefs? 
Uh, yeah, it was 2020 when the Super Bowl happened. Oh, so yeah, yeah, sorry. The season of 2019, yeah. I'm yeah. um, yeah. going bleeding into 2020. But aside from that, you know, then I look back and say, yeah, I mean, Purdy's doing something right that the the, the rest of that Jimmy Garoppolo over the course of a couple seasons couldn't figure out, you know? Yeah, that's kind of was my point is that I'm not going to fault Brock Purdy for having a great offense. Yeah. And they're not losing. They were The 49ers were losing in, in the past probably because of Jimmy Garoppolo yep. and because yep. they felt that that was kind of the one position. They're not losing because of Brock Purdy. They've lost their games because they either were, you know, when they played Cleveland, they had a lot of injuries. They just had a couple bad games. Yep. But they're winning. They may not be winning solely because of him, but they're also not losing because of him. So I think he's doing exactly what he needs to do to get San Francisco in a good place. Um, another guy too, Lamar. Um, yep, yep. You know, can't leave him out. He's having a great year. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't personally vote for Brock. I just threw it out there. Yeah. Who knows? It's but, a good discussion point. Yeah, it is. it's certainly a lot more interesting to talk about than uh, Jalen Hurts' MVP candidacy, in my opinion. Yeah, he, I don't. I, no, all hate aside, <laughs> he's not the MVP, man. Like, he's getting the. Hmm, Jason mind. Kelsey's the MVP if Jalen Hurts is the MVP. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah, um, but no, it should be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see how that MVP race plays out. I think if the, you know the Cowboys get the one seed or they they win the division, it's hard to make a case against Dak. And not make a case for Dak. So yeah. I also, oh, yeah, go sorry, on. I haven't lived in a world where a Cowboys quarterback or a player has been in the MVP conversation that yeah. I remember this late in the year. It's exciting. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. Just just an interesting nugget. Maybe I mentioned this to you guys before. No wide receiver has ever won MVP. Hmm. Ever. <sighs> if anyone crazy? could do it, it would be Tyreek Hill. It would be. But but then at the same time, right? I, I think the the trade off is that MVP. Yeah, Tyree Kill might be really good, but you also say Tua has to get that ball to him, right? Mm-hmm. Tua has the, the, the ball in his hands 100% of the time. My question then to y'all is, was Mac Jones the Heisman in 2020 for <laughs> yeah. Alabama? Yeah. Uh, which is similar. There's an Alabama yep. quarterback. Uh, yeah. Tyree Kill, though. Fantasy uh, MVP. Fantasy probably. MVP Tyree yes. Kill. I will say that. Yes. And that is unequivocal. Yep. Tyreek Hill has won me games that I have no business winning nope. when my defense gives up yep. negative 11. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think uh, defenses in fantasy are the hardest for me to pick. I have so I have so much hard. I can't do it. I've had a lot of success recently because I literally look at the Giants' schedule and choose whatever. <laughs> I'm not even joking. For like three three or four weeks in a row, and waiver wires aside, no one else chose these guys. It's the Jets or the Giants. You got to pick one it of those It really two. is, and I chose... I chose the Raiders' defense against the Giants, and it worked. That was the first week I did it, and I've basically been doing it ever since. Planning ahead, yeah, and it's it, it's working. I mean, right, I mean, you're playing against Tommy DeVito. Write, write it down, people. Write it right? down. I mean, hey, yeah, just saying. You know, insider training, maybe, maybe not. But you know, like when you're playing against Trevor Simeon and Zach Wilson and <laughs> exactly. Tim Boyle, I'd say I'd say draft the defense yes, and playing those guys. Exactly. Even if it's the Falcons' defense, uh, they're going to have success. And when you can get a pick six on a hail mary, oh my days. Yeah, I'm so. I, that was ridiculous. That was so ridiculous. I was laughing. I the tra- man, the butterfly effect that Aaron Rodgers' injury had. Back to that point, gifting us an early Christmas present on Black Friday with that Hail Mary pick six. Yep. Thank you, Aaron, for your sacrifice. Yep, yep. That was uh, yeah, very special moment. But anyways, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Um, be sure to tune in on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is where the 
the uh, full episode will be getting pushed out too if you couldn't catch the full episode live right here on KTCU. Uh, once again, thank you so much to Curtis Byrne from TCU Baseball for joining us in that first half hour of the show. Went over some really interesting stuff about him, fall ball, um, and again, really looking forward to uh, to the 2024 season. So, um, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. For Zion Trammell and Seth Dattle, I'm Ian Apichan, and we will see you guys next week.